Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The right of the people to keep and wear orange shall not be infringed. Welcome to the Q's Militia Podcast with those two unapologetically biased, orange-blooded homers, Sean and Joe. Give us a like on Facebook at Q's Militia Podcast and follow on Twitter at Q's Militia. All right, what's up, Q's Nation? Thanks for tuning in to the Q's Militia Podcast with Sean and Joe. If you like it, please share it with your friends and family. Much appreciated. And if you could, please subscribe and review in the iTunes store. That would be awesome. That is how uh, the cream rises to the top, so to speak, as far as the podverse goes. Uh, Getting those reviews helps us get recognized when someone's actually looking for a uh, Syracuse sports podcast. Um, we 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 can rise to the top of that. So... Joe, what's up, brother? Yes, sir. What's going on, man? Long time no see. Yeah, right? So Joe was here. Joe was here Saturday. He came up. Yeah, and came up for we, a day. Yeah, came up for the day. We were going to actually do an episode, but I it probably would have been entertaining, but I don't know about... <laughs> I don't know how much sports there were to talk about. Uh, that was actually the first night of the uh, Bayheim's Army. We watched that game together, and we would have done something on that afterwards, but, you know, time got away. Yeah. Also, you know, <laughs> they played the next day and right. uh, we cleared out the uh, refer- the the adult beverage fridge. So uh, no. eh, there's pretty much nothing left. So, yeah, so well, it was know. probably not the best idea to podcast. No. Although, although, like I said, it probably could have been entertaining. So with right. two day de- two games down in Bayheim's Army. They are headed to the Super 16. You can't say the Sweet 16 and make money off of it. You can't put no, those it's trademarked, two- huh? Yeah, yeah. Go you figure. can't put those two words together and make money off of it. So uh, these <laughs> stats here are through two games. John Gillen with 44 com- point, uh, points, uh, combined 75% from behind the arc. Demetrius Nichols, 32 points, combined through the two games, 66% from behind the arc. But he did have the game winner in the second game. The rest of the team during that second game against Team Fancy were 0-10 from behind the arc. Just yeah. uh, atrocious. But uh, you know, Gillen was a big part of that ending, too. So Yes, he, he was, but... Those, those you know, two they, seem to be like the the main guys right now. Yeah, they couldn't. They just couldn't get the three ball going. As a team from the line, uh, Beheim's Army is 81.8%. Gillen did hit the two in a row at the end of the first game against uh, South Jamaica Kings. He, by himself, is shooting 85% from the line. Through the two games, the team shot 45.3% from the field, uh, and they are holding opponents to 35.8% so far. And finally, Bayheim's Army out-rebounded 72-68, to 
with 50 to 42 on the defensive boards. Renzi Anawaku leads with 14 rebounds, followed by D Nick in his 12. So hmm. much reminiscent. Thought that'd be a little better, but I thought it would be two. But uh, are you talking about Renzi or uh, Nichols? Uh, just uh, just I mean, in the general rebounds overall. Yeah, yeah. Because I feel like so we're huge. like more of a a bigger team yeah. than most teams out there. You know, a lot of teams are yeah. guard oriented that I've seen so far. So, well, you've got, I, I don't know if it affects these guys that much, but Arenzi was, uh, you know, he was, he was added pretty late. I mean, like right, two right. days, three days before. Well, actually, I guess it was a Tuesday. I mean, four or five days before something like that. Yeah, I mean, Hopefully this week will help him out, you know? Yeah, exactly. So they've got a week off and we'll get into that. Uh, next game at the end of this, but very you could tell they're SU players. You know how that you can tell that they're SU players besides the, besides the fact that you know they're SU players. They str- no, they struggle offensively to start the games, and it just has that typical like Syracuse feel to it. And yeah, that's what Brandon was saying. Yeah, the, yeah. The, and the defense is good. Right? I mean, yeah, the yeah, defense yeah. is, is – Well, you're holding the teams to 30-something percent and you're shooting 45, then I'd say yeah. Yeah, right? So – and it's just – I think it's great, man. I mean, what more could you ask for in the summer? Really, this this Bayheim's Army, this TBT, this thing's going to get bigger and bigger. And if you noticed, too, we were talking, I think, in the last episode about the jerseys selling out, how quick they sold out. Well, they're sold out, they're sold out in a couple of sizes again. So yeah. as this thing goes in, in Bayheim's Army, probably, let's be honest, they're probably one of the most popular teams. Right. I mean, well, and it's, I mean, they're a number one seed. And yeah, also true. on top of that, uh, a lot of recognizable Names. players. And yeah. we have a lot of fans all over the place. So that kind of, it kind of helps, you know. And obviously it's well, we bigger because in, in three years, right, it was in Brooklyn. But in three years, it's gone, the um, the pot has gone from a million dollars to two million dollars. So, it's definitely making money. Um, Ticket sales were up this year to yeah. last year. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it's it's getting bigger and bigger. I would like to – I'd like for it to get as big enough one day to where they could make it to where, you know, it was a, an alumni-based teams only, you know, so teams couldn't stack teams. But, I mean, hey, it is what it is. An alumni just, thing, that would, be, that would be cool. I mean, you could still stack your team. You just can't, like – no, but I mean yeah. that's like we're one of the only teams that basically only has our alumni. You know, I mean there's some teams that'll have most of their alumni, but they'll sprinkle a couple players in and out. And then there's other teams like Overseas Elite and the team that we're about to play, uh, Armored Athlete, where they have uh, guys from all over. You know, uh, different colleges and stuff like that. So um, just the fact that we can get enough good players from our previous teams and our, you know, alumni and stuff that we can actually make a team that can compete is, is pretty cool to me. It's definitely, definitely pretty cool. I was really excited about Paul Harris, but I got to say, I, I'm not sure if I was more excited or equally easily is equally excited about AO coming in. And, you know, it's been, just been so long since we've got to watch either one of them play, but. And he'll pick it up. Yeah, he, he'll pick it up. He missed a couple of things up close, easy stuff, but, you know, he'll be good. Demetrius Nichols looks like he's in his prime. I mean, no one even, <laughs> no one even thought twice about him and in in, in hitting that, um, that shot to end the game against uh, Team Fancy, which is a horrible name for a basketball team, by the way. Absolutely, I, I, and they did. 
<laughs> Go ahead. I, I, well, I don't know. I don't know the history behind the team fancy name, but uh, I don't know. I'd rethink that one. But yeah, yeah. Everybody had a hundred percent faith in him hitting that shot, and as soon as it left oh, his yeah. hands, you could see it was good. Yeah, and they think Syracuse.com had an article talking about how, you know, Team Fancy knew it too. You know, there's a guy always up there. That I mean, the point of it, the playing defense against Demetrius Nichols is to make sure he didn't get open shots, you know. Right. He did end up going three for four, I believe, from the three-point line. And yep, he was the only That one was two. the biggest one, only guy on our team that hit a three, right? But, right. yeah, it's nerve-wracking sometimes. You know, like you said, it's just like it has a feel to the Syracuse. It's a normal Syracuse team because – you know, you look forward to this tournament and even the beginning of the first game on Saturday, you know, we were kind of like, uh, you know, then they pulled away and made it easy. But, you know, I was on pins and needles the whole time, the second game. So, but yeah, you just don't want to see your team lose. Cause honestly, if your team loses, then are you really going to watch the rest of this tournament? It's not that big yet. So you, do you think, um, no, right. Yeah, exactly. I, it's not. And if they lost, I wouldn't. If they lost, yeah. we wouldn't even be talking about it. So you want it, it to go another weekend, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's like the first three weeks right before training camp for football. So Right. This you know, is probably you want our last sports. big – well, unless yep. they win. If they win, I mean, we got to keep going, right? Oh, yeah, of course. So <laughs> what do you think about John Gillen maybe maybe, maybe swapping John Gillen for Devendorf? Or do you, would you not mess with the starting lineup? I would keep the starting lineup the way that it is. Everybody, yeah. they don't have a lot of guys. Everyone's going to get minutes, so right. um, I'm not, I don't they're think very they're very equally spread too. Very equally. Yeah, spread. and in the past they had bigger teams as far as more players, and there was other players that maybe had some egos that demanded more minutes. So um, I think that this is the first team since this tournament started where you got you know legit. Uh, um, guys that were pretty much right there on the NBA cusp that decided that they could make a better living overseas. And some of them played in the D league for a long time, but um, I, I don't see a lot of egos out there and they're no, going right. to basically do what Ryan Blackwell tells them to do so then they can win. You know, that's it. Yeah. And uh, so I'd keep it the way that it is, man. John Gillen came over as a grad transfer and mm-hmm. and uh, he's he's technically in his third year playing for a Syracuse basketball team. Yeah, Is well, right? yeah, technically, yes. <laughs> technically. But I'll tell you what, it might have only been one year, but as far as any Syracuse Huge basketball impact. fans, cons- I mean, I know we didn't make yeah. the NCAA tournament, but some of those games, like, you know, the NC State game that I always, you know, talk about that I was at, the Duke game. Um, where the Duke he scored game. 40-something, and then the Duke game where he hit that shot. I mean, he solidified his uh, – his orange. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. Andrew White probably was the better player, but he's. I think John Gillen solidified his his orangedom more than him that year. Yeah. Just based off of uh, you know the things that he did. I mean, be, we wouldn't have beat NC State if it wasn't for him. We wouldn't have beat Duke if it wasn't for him. So. Do you, Do you remember <laughs> watching? I mean, maybe you didn't feel like this, but I always felt like watching John Gillen drive the lane was always so risky and so you know it's so uneasy about it all the time. But oh, boy, God, he, dude. you know, when, when he played for the Orange and yeah, uh, like the I past know. two I remember. years, you can go back and listen to the podcast. Oh, almost every single game you were talking about it. And my dad was, too. And I had to listen to it. So <laughs> but, what are you but, doing? Why are you driving? Exactly. Exactly. And that's how it was. But now when when I see him do it, when I've seen him do it during this, the TBT, I'm just like, oh, he's either going to draw a foul or he's going to make this shot. Because he just doesn't—he oh, yeah. does doesn't put himself in the situation. And he's playing against better players. Yeah, exactly. So 
All right. Like I told you on Saturday, I'm surprised that he didn't get picked up for a summer league contract because at the end of the year last year in the D or G League uh, for the NBA, he played really, really well. So I think um, I saw that was very surprising to me on Syracuse.com. Or, or I can't remember where it was actually. No, that it was somewhere. But I think he's playing with a chip on his shoulder. That's for sure. Yeah, the, someone one of the Syracuse outlets was. Um, it was a, a, an open message to NBA scouts, basically, get to Atlanta right. and watch John Gillen. So, all right, yeah, it's fun to watch. I can't wait. The next game, Saturday, July 28th at 1 o'clock, Bayheim's Army 1 seed versus 4 seed Armored Elite, or Armored Athlete uh, on ESPN this time. So you don't have to take out and open up that crappy ESPN app <laughs> and try to stream the damn game. So, so bad. It's so horrible. It's so horrible. I tried four different devices, mm. and uh, I finally, you know, just gave up and, and stuck with the living room TV. But yeah. um, so, Joe, you did a little homework on Armored Athlete. A little bit. A little bit. Well, what'd you come up with? Uh, Armored Athlete's the four seed in the this Northeast region, and obviously, like I said before, we're the one seed. Uh, first round, they beat number thirteen seed DC on point. Um, 85 to 69. I uh, really didn't have too much trouble. Um, shot the three ball pretty well. And um, the second round, they beat number five seeded uh, Gale Nation, uh, 75 to 73. And that's a predominantly uh, Iona based um, team. Oh, okay. And Iona has actually brought out some some pretty good uh, players in the past. So, but it was 75 73 close game. Um, and with that that ending, that Elam en- ending that they they've been doing, um, that right. probably was a pretty exciting game. Tell, but, tell uh, us about just real quick, because w- before we forget, the formula for the Elam ending. Yes. Is four minutes our first stoppage after? Yep. Add seven points to the lead the, to the to whoever's leading the game. Add seven points, right. and that's your target score. And then boom, you go, that's what you go for. Right. Pretty much, yeah. Last round, what it was, we were, we were up 53. The other team was up 52. Team Fancy was up 52. Right. So the the ball stoppage was a little under four minutes, like three-something. And so they go to TV timeout automatically. And we had 53 points, so we were leading. So seven plus that 53 is 60. So that's that target winning score. So now it's 53-52. The first team to get to 60 with no time limit is, is the winner. And that's pretty much how it goes with every single game. You just add... Those seven points to that leading that leading team, and that's the target winning score that you play to. Uh, game doesn't end until a team gets there. So, right, okay. <clears throat> so and yep. So going back to this armored athlete team, um, there are four main players that play the most minutes: uh, Julian Gamble out of Miami, Marcus Thornton out of William and Mary, uh, Tariko White from Mississippi, and Jordan Hulls who was a point guard at Indiana. Uh, those are the guys that have been basically playing the most minutes. And from what I've seen, it's um, they're a, they, they shoot a lot of threes, man. Uh, Marcus Thornton and Terrico White are going to shoot up some threes. And the first game, they made a lot of them. Second game, they missed a lot of them. So that's why it was probably a, a close game. Um, that's that's pretty much all. I mean, those are some predominant names that I remember those guys actually playing in um, in college and uh, some pretty good players, some borderline NBA players there. So um, they definitely are going to be a problem, just like Team Fancy. And uh, I think once you get to this point, um, 
like you like just said earlier, is the cream rises to, to the top. Um, it's for $2 million, and you know which teams are hungry and which teams are playing for that money. So yeah. it's going to be a dogfight. And, uh, again, it's it's for $2 million, and you got some, some grown-ass men out there that do not play in the NBA and do not have NBA contracts that are trying to make a little extra money for them and their families. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah. And it's going to be a fight. <laughs> and, and just for the record, um, you know, we lost overseas elite has done. They've never lost. Okay. Never lost in the tournament. They've yep. never Dominated lost in the tournament. tournament. They're dominating. Uh, their, their last game was a 10 point win. And their game before that was a 16 point win. And they are in our region on this bracket. So, yep. you know, the final four, we lost against uh, Overseas Elite last year in the final four. And if we made we it did. to the final four, we would face them again, likely, if they yeah. win too. So, yeah. And uh, you can just hope that, you know, our chemistry gets a little bit better and uh, we can get through this first, you know, this next weekend and get to that point, you know. Um, again, uh, we're, we're hungry. Overseas elite, they look at this tournament as a paycheck, basically, at this point. And at some point, someone's going to knock them off. So, I mean, why not us, you know? Right, exactly. So, let's just keep it going, man. All right, Bayheim's Army, once again, this Saturday, July 28th, 1 o'clock, on ESPN versus Armored Elite. Let's go. All right. ACC Media Day happened, well, since, we, since we've left for football. And... Yeah. Joe had me pull some some um, some audio from that. So do you, what do you do? You just want to jump right into this audio? Do you want to preface anything? What's up? Well, no. no let's I mean, do I... this. Yeah, let's do this. Let's do this before we start. Uh, it, let's see the um, what do you call it? Uh, let's see the ACC preseason media poll came out. As far as I know, it came out today, and everybody voted. And everybody I think it was a couple of days ago. Was it a couple of days ago? Okay. Yeah. Um, either way. Either way. Uh, they voted and they voted Syracuse to finish last in the Atlantic division. And they actually no, got, of course. they actually got the, um, you know, the least amount of votes in the ACC overall. So <sighs> with 232, the next uh, worst team predicted is Virginia Cavaliers at 257. So Joe, what what's up what's up with these these preseason polls? This is the second one that I've seen is just awful. There's no love, bro. There's no love. Why not? I, I because mean, people don't look at it. There's down. I mean, you got people. You you got journalists and reporters and stuff down down south that just don't look at Syracuse as, as a team, and I don't think they look at a lot of the reasons why. You know, they just right. think that it's going to stay like continually the same. So, and we have been though. And that's the thing. So I really don't I don't doubt them for doing that, um, because unless you really take a good, nice internal look at what has happened and what is happening with our depth and stuff like that, then you're really just going to expect the same, you know. So I don't I don't fault them. It's just they have no reason to. Well, someone's got <laughs> to be last, too. Right. I mean, exactly. Someone's got to be last. And because of what um, all the other teams in our side of the conference has done um, in our division. I can see why they did what they did. Doesn't mean I have to agree with it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think you know I'm okay with it. It's kind of it's kind of around the same idea when you know come basketball season and they're trying to rank the orange in the top ten. I hate it. 
Yeah. You set the you set the I mean, bar high. Could be motivation. Right, exactly. And you set the bar high, and, and you know, there's. I think I feel like I know how to gauge it and what to expect pretty good, but a lot of people get really upset if those expectations aren't met. So, all right, well, so media day came. Joe had me pull the best audio. This first one, this uh, first cut here is of uh, Eric Dungy. Um, here it is. Eric, to see, like you said, the last two seasons, four and eight, there were some positives that went over Virginia Tech and Clemson. How do you build off of that and just what you can say about staying the process and from the outside looking in, it's four and eight, but from the inside looking out, what do you see? You know, Coach brought up something interesting last year. Um, I didn't really realize it, but um, in Miami last year, you know, I think the year before they were just right on the hump, you know, in these games. And I think that's what we were like last year. You know, we had one possession here and there um, that could have really changed the outlook on our season. So it's just learning how to win and playing against the best schools and the best teams. Um, you know, you're not going to get better playing against, you know, lower competition. So you want to be the best, you got to play against the best. So I'm looking forward to that. And that's what our schedule has been um, in the past three years. So. You know, I think personally, it's given us a lot of experience. Um, and for that, I'm looking forward to going to the next year. All right. I mean, it, it, great points. I think he sounds motivated. I think he, oh, yeah. it's a redemption year for Dungy to try to come out and stay healthy and, uh, you know, finish out the second half of the season for as far as uh, the way he's thinking of it. And he's Dude, right, you know. That's the most important part, bro. Yeah, I know. You know, is just staying healthy. Let me give you this. I, I did a little bit of I did a little bit of research. Okay. All right, just to kind of give a little bit of the dungy effect of, and it's not <laughs> spectacular, you know. Okay. But just kind of to the, give there, you a you little. You do have a, a theory little, though, the dungy effect. Ah, uh, it's not. You're a working theory. that. It's just. It's not. It's uh, <laughs> It's not. <laughs> it's not a theory. It's just facts. It's just the truth about when Dungy is healthy. The past two years since he's been with Dino Babers. Right. So and we'll I'm not call gonna, it the dungy theory. Go ahead. It's not really that, but basically 2016, he played to week eight. Week eight, he got hurt. Um, at that point, he was four and four. We had a game home against NC State that was winnable after that game, a, a game at Pitt that ended up being like was 61 to 76, ridiculous. That was a winnable game if we would have had him. Um, without him that year, we went 0 and 4, obviously, with, with Mahoney. Uh, fast forward to 2017, we went 4 and 5 when. Dungy was playing and in, in, in healthy, and we went 0-3 without him. Uh, so overall, we're, we're last two years, we're 0-7 without Dungy, and we're 8-9 and with him. Now, the past two years with him, he has the only game that we've lost to a team that hasn't made a bowl game is Notre Dame in 2016, and that was a neutral game at MetLife. And another thing is that he's never lost to a team twice. Really? Yeah. Now, we've lost to Louisville twice, a couple other teams twice, but that was with Mahoney. As far as the games that Dungy has played, the nine losses that he's had the last two years with Babers, he has not lost to the same team. And if you go through it, I mean, you can go through and if you really, really look at it, first year, I think week two or week three of the first season of Dino Babers' offense, they lose at home to Louisville with Lamar Jackson. Next week, the very next week, they lose at home South Florida with Quentin Flowers, who was on a South Florida team that went 11-2 and two or overall that year, and Quentin Flowers broke multiple, multiple quarterback records. Um, the next game that they lost that season was the Notre Dame game, 
followed by in the last game that he played in that season was um, the game at Wake Forest, which was the hurricane game. So that was just his first year with Babers. And there's a little bit of explanation. The team, you know, the schedule was kind of tough, but first season, different different uh, system. Everything's good. And everyone knows what happened last year. Middle Tennessee State, definitely a game we could have won. We lost by seven. Scott Schaefer effect or factor, if you want to call that, whatever. Um, but even the other ones, you know, at, at LSU, we lost by nine. At NC yeah, State, lost by eight. A good game at, my, at Miami, who was ranked number eighth, lost by eight. The game, his final game of the season where he broke his foot in the first quarter, we lost at Florida State by three. Yeah. So those are the games that you're looking at that we lost with Eric Dungy healthy. Now you're talking about a team that's got a better offensive line and a deeper offensive line. We're more experienced on um, both lines, actually, offense and defensive line. We're more experienced in the secondary. Obviously, Eric Dungy is his senior year, and then we have the running backs who are experienced. Um, and for once in Eric Dungy's career, we've actually have a legitimate backup. So – when you really look at our team, when Eric Dungy's healthy and what's been going on, and considering the competition that we've played and only losing to one game or one team the last two years with Dungy that hadn't made a bowl game, um, I think it's pretty pretty clear that when Eric Dungy is healthy and playing, that we have a chance to beat anybody any week. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, and and that's kind of my you know. That's some of the stuff that I found that I threw out there. Um, I would agree. That's good research, by the way. So, um, Joe. yeah, that's just that's that's my my I'm all in on Eric Dungy. He doesn't want to lose. He's not a loser. He knows what they said. That's right. um, you know, we've beaten the Virginia Tech. We won the Virginia Tech game 2016. We won the Clemson game 2017. And now this year he's focused on making it a full season and just not making it about one key win, but making it about a whole season. So right. And he's not, go ahead. He's not looking at just six wins to get into a bowl game. And I'm telling you right now, neither is the rest of the team. We've gotten experience. And just like he said in that clip that they just need to learn how to win. And last year against Clemson, they did. And then they almost did against Miami. And then they almost did against Florida state when he had a broken foot and then his, his season was over. And that was three weeks in a row. Right. Clemson, Clemson at home, at Miami, at Florida State, boom, boom, boom. And we almost – we were in every single one of those games. We were in the LSU game down in Baton Rouge. So um, we just don't get the respect. And people don't want to look at just something that I found in 20 minutes and look at some research to see the facts. So that's my little spiel about Eric Dungy and what's right. going to go on this season. Okay, well, Coach mentions uh, – uh, he mentioned, well, he piggybacks on what Dungy was just saying, but he mentioned something that Dungy said too, which is along the lines of what you're saying. It's just to my left here in the first row. Coach, Eric had brought up consistently good, not occasionally great. Just Right there. Consistently good, not occasionally great. And, right. And here we go. Here's Coach. It's what you can say about going into year three, knowing that you have some of those wins that you can build off success-wise, but trying to build that consistency, what you see out of the team moving forward. I think Eric is exactly right. You're, you're looking. We had some close losses last year. And what we've got to do, I think we've got to mirror the, the uh, season that NC State had. NC State had some close wins last year that really – uh, set them off to one of the better seasons that they've had with Coach Dorn, and my hat's off to him. 
you know, when you're, when you're taking over a losing football team and trying to change it to a winning football team, there comes that time when you reach that bridge where all of a sudden, you know, one minute you're not in games and then the next minute you're in games and uh, they're close games and you can't be satisfied. You can't settle for just being close. And uh, I think that's, I don't think that we settled last year, but I think that was the bridge that we were on. Uh, so we've been close. And now it's time to get over the hump and get on the other side of that bridge and find a way to win those games and finish out the season. Well, there you go. I think that's going to be that right there. What he ended with is going to be the, the theme this year is to finish the close games, not just, you know, have us sit here on a podcast and be like, well, you know, last year against Florida State, what a hell of a game. He's playing with a broken foot, only lost by three. You know, yeah, there's no moral, yeah, no moral victories. And it's time to you know, kick it into gear and, you know, get over the hump, uh, as yeah. like coach just said, and finish these games off. And not only, like you were saying, not only make a bowl game at six and six, but shock the hell out of, uh, you the know, world. The, and as he said in, yeah. in another quote that Eric Dungey had earlier in that, and that's, that's kind of what I was talking about. It wasn't really to say the woulda, coulda, shoulda, or, oh, we were this close. It's to put to perspective in the fact that, the first year with a new system, you got to look at that. And then you have to look at the teams and what they did last year and how close we were to beating some teams. I mean, one possession away. I was at the NC State game. We saw what he did at Miami, Florida State. We beat Clemson, L- I mean, LSU, Saturday night game on ESPN, too. Like, we saw that. Everyone saw that. But it's about the fact that we are right there, and it's about turning the corner. And I think that this year, with the experience and the guys like that <clears throat> that we have, I mean – and, and the fact that we have depth, that's another huge thing. A lot of everybody in this, almost everybody in this league, when we're playing against them, they have depth. If we hurt somebody, they got somebody that can step up and, and go and, and fill and fill in. You know, so maybe not as good, but other teams have had better depth. If our depth can catch up, and with this new rule with being able to play up to four games and and, and players still be able to redshirt, then Right. I think yeah. I think that really, really could could be it's an advantage what to teams ends like ends up ours. pushing me, pushing us over the hump. Yes, exactly. So I mean, in the fact, like again, like I said, you know, the games are won, especially if you if you talk to a lot of experts in any type of football, any level of football, the games are pretty much won in the trenches between offense and defense aligned. So right, and I think that we're very strong there this year. So and with Derek Dungy coming coming <laughs> coming for revenge for his senior year. Um, I think that it's that, like you said. I think that the shock the world thing isn't isn't just a fairy tale, right? And you talked about beefing up the lines. Coach talked about beefing up that offensive line. That's the way you feel when you have an offensive line and a defensive line. Our offensive line is the best I've had since we've been there, and they are real big people that are like strong, <laughs> real strong. So like when you walk down the street, you want to walk with those guys. Okay, and not only do we have five of them that are really good, but I think we can go to seven, eight, which we're as deep as we've been there, not as deep as other football teams in the conference. But it gives us an opportunity to play a little big ball or what I call, you know, pull up your boots, roll up your shirt sleeves, put your put your thing in your shirt sleeve and get after some people. And uh, it gives us an opportunity to be more physical than we've been in the past. It gives us an opportunity maybe to run the ball better than we have in the past. And if we have an opportunity to run the ball and move people around, we can help that defense out a little bit. And uh, we can shorten some of those games. And when you get in the red zone, 
If you have the ability to run the football in the red zone and not just throw the ball in the red zone, you have a higher percentage of scoring points, which gives you an opportunity to maybe get away from a little some people. So uh, there you go. Now, if, yeah. if how can if, you not love that? Right, because here's the first thing I think of, and it goes back to what we were just talking about, Dungy. It takes a load off of Dungy having to put himself into situations where he's got to scramble and take hits, and the dude, he's not a slider, okay? If he was a slider, no, he'd already yeah. be sliding, right? Is that no, I'm pretty sure he's like a high jumper or <laughs> a, a high near in the helmet. We were the first ones <laughs> that I think, we were the first ones that I heard just straight calling the dude a warrior. I mean, yeah. he's a freaking oh, yeah, warrior, dude. So you think he's gonna slide, and you're gonna catch a knee to the chin, and that's yeah, like exactly. Ask a couple Miami defenders from last you, year. Hey, so. Yeah, you could catch a knee to the chin standing straight up in a six yeah, foot two huh? frame. So yep. Or he'll just, or if you dive, he'll just jump over you. So right, he's and gonna try something. So he's not gonna slide. He's not a baseball player. Exactly. When coach talks about <laughs> there, he wants to. He's got that beefy offensive line. You know, if everybody can stay healthy there, fingers crossed, um, prayers and all that, if they can do that and they can run the ball more and they can be effective running the ball, then, you know, you open up, you know, the sky's Pandora's the limit. Pandora's box. Yeah, the sky's <laughs> the limit with And then that. you don't have to call, you know, you keep – you don't have to call basic run plays for the quarterback like they have in the past couple of years, yes, you know? Yes, And, I mean, yeah. to take back – there has risky, been times, man. I mean, there has been times when Dungy has slid, you know, to be safe. But if it's a one-on-one against the it's, D-back. And it's third down. <laughs> oh, and it's third down or he needs some yardage. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's yeah. all – the guy knows what's going on. So yeah. he knows that he's got to tone it back a little bit. And he did beef up. Um, he knows that he has to be there for his teammates. And that's definitely something that, you know, he talked about again at ACC Day um, where he knows that uh, – that first down might not be as important as the last four games of the season. <laughs> so, um, and that's, again, that's tough. It's tough to put it out of your head like that. Cause you don't think like that when you're in the moment and, and you're that competitive and aggressive, but you know, yeah, hopefully he can kind of get that. And hopefully like, again, like we said, that offensive line can do that. And, um, and, and actually be able to run effectively to be able to take the pressure off the pass game, because I know the receivers are going to need it too, because we still need to see some receivers step up. And uh, Dungy in the ACC day, media day, again, he had some quotes talking about how he thinks that somebody eventually will because the targets and, and, and the catches got to go to somebody. But um, just having that, I mean, I looked at the depth chart that they opened up and uh, Aaron Roberts last year, I don't know if you remember, he was um, a redshirt junior. He was supposed to be our best offensive lineman. Um, he got a season-ending injury. I don't know if it was in training camp or – uh, spring ball or something like that and now he has come you know he's come back he's had all year to 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 do you know physical therapy and recover and um they're talking about how he's in a, a position he's in a, a battle for a position spot and to me that's just it's crazy and it actually tells you how far our offensive line has gone in just one year so yeah. i'm pumped i'm pumped about it again and uh Again, I mean, we got camp starting August 2nd, and I really can't wait to get into it, get into some of these um, position previews for this team, offense and defense, and and, and start getting some of these daily uh, this daily news from these, um, these summer practices and starting to get into some of these previews of these games and stuff. So I'm pumped. Yeah, so we got probably, you know, another week or two before we'll do it, but we are going to do – 
uh, two more episodes that we had planned coming up, uh, an offensive uh, roster preview and a defensive roster preview. So yeah. uh, we wanted to obviously wait till we got closer and we could see more of what's going on. But uh, I mean, we could probably pull one next week since you got the two games this weekend. Um, I'll be out of town. We'll- I'll be out of town. Actually, wait a second. Yeah, I'll be out, I'll be out of town. But, okay, but well, I, I, either I, I, way, I, yeah, we'll figure something out. We'll probably try to get one in before um, before camp starts, so we can hit up the uh, what happened with Beheim's army and and start getting into the previews. So right, so um, yeah, we'll figure it out. But we'll be back and um, to do our normal thing, and then before you know it, it'll be full swing football season. So and then that'll and, go right into the basketball and. Yep, and we got the overlap too. So get ready, yes, sir. We'll be be coming out uh, with with uh, regular episodes here pretty soon. So before you know it, yes, sir. Uh, all right, so that's it. If you could please subscribe, please rate the podcast. Uh, we would really appreciate that on iTunes. So that is all for Joe. I am Sean. We're out. Let it peace. This has been the Q's Militia Podcast with Sean and Joe. Be heard. Contact us on Facebook at Q's Militia Podcast and tweet at us using hashtag Q's Militia. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give. But what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are, too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough. 
to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows.